everybody. I am Adrian. This is Josh. And if you're listening to this right now, you're listening to another episode of the Dirty, Dirty Rotten Church, Church Kids Podcast. We're here. It's January. We are in the throes of January. There's not a fancy name for the month of January. It's like April, flowers, spring, May, showers, or reverse. Yeah. It's just a start. Yeah. It's like the, what is it, like the old man of New Year's and like the baby comes in. Yeah, it's like Father Time, Father Time, and, and the baby at New Year's, and baby New Year. So yes. January is is just the baby's the first stages. I don't know. It's the beginning. About. Yeah, it's the beginning of 2020. Um, How you been feeling? How's your first uh, couple weeks of January? I mean, not too bad. It's been busy. Um, I feel like the holidays are just now stopping. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been good uh, as far as the world is going. Every, uh, Australia was on fire and now it's like flooded. I didn't know it was flooded. Yeah, it, they finally got rain, but it was like too much rain now. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Then Iran's doing things. Yeah, man. The world's um, great. So it's I'm, like, I'm doing horrible. I saw, <laughs> I saw this thing where like 2020 <laughs> is my year. And then like three days in, it's like World War Three. <laughs> yes. The World War Three memes were so hot, so quick. Incredible. Right when, right when one, one came around, I thought World War Three is going to start. Yeah, but what's interesting, and maybe I'm I'm a little bit older, so I age out of this generation. But there's a like they're so like the the joke like uh, life sucks. Like there are like sure. more emo, life is meaningless, more emo than I was emo. Yeah, but they're like um, the World War Three memes are like, well, we wanted to die, so I guess here is our opportunity. I mean, it's like everyone's like, ha, 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 ha. like dude, that's fucking dark. I tell you, I think Gen Z is like that's what it the is, yeah. darkest. Gen- they're like, yep, I wish I was dead. Which I was—it's just ridiculous. And, We're and like, as a we don't have jobs coming out of college. Like we don't have life. Yeah, we don't. Our life is meaningless. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. How's the beginning of your 2020? Is well, it as dramatic as it's I mean, been it dramatic be? in its own right? Um, I was sick on January 1st, New Year's Day. I woke up, and I had essentially the symptoms of acute bronchitis. I only get sick like once a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. But when I do, baby boy. I get bronco sick. Yeah. It was real sick. And I was out. I was on my ass for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And and I'm finally kind of on the upswing. And now Wilder, my son, for those who don't know, now Wilder is sick. Yeah. And it's been just a joy. Yeah. It's just been a joy. I, are you like a, are you a functional sick? Or are, can people tell you're sick? Are you, or are you kind of like a I don't like sick? to be touched. Okay. I like to be fed when I'm sick. But um, I don't know. I just... I take a sickness as your body saying, hey, slow down. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to shut down everything right. and just let my body do its thing. Alyssa knows I'm sick when I go to bed before she does. Yes, yes. That's a, that's a sign. When it's 8 o'clock, the kids are in bed, and like, I'm walking to bed. <laughs> She's like, holy cow. I'm like, yeah. Yes. That's that's it. Um, I'm kind of, That's it. And then I, I try and just kind of rally. Mm. Um, when my wife gets sick, it's like, whew. she says it a lot. You shouldn't have to say it if you say you're sick a lot you're like can you please get that i'm sick i don't know there's something about that like okay i get it i'm gonna we're gonna take care of you yeah she just she listen to this podcast yeah every episode okay i'm not saying anything about my wife (laughs) steph when you're sick you're an angel i I can't tell when you're sick because it's always bright when you're around (laughs) even when you're not feeling good Uh, yeah yeah. i'm not starting 2020 off in the doghouse bro (laughs) listen the world's about to end anyway so fuck it (laughs) fuck it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Twenty twenty, um, I uh, I'm into video games. 
And what's funny is now seeing these people I watch on YouTube now starting to review games that have like such and such 2020, 2020, like, like 2020 is the future. (laughs) So like where we came from, I know, I know Um, like when our movies came out in the future, it was 2020. Yeah. And I was thinking about this yesterday, like the way when I was in 1990, my trapper keeper, bro, I'm just killing it with my Pokemon cards that I couldn't have in school, but I smuggled it in. Hell yeah. Um, I always thought about the early 1900s as like far away and even further back. Yeah. But like we're in the beginning of the 2000s. Yeah. So like in 2900. Right. I think like early 2000s. Oh, those, yeah. That, that, way that's, back in the yeah, day that's, with that's our Snapchat. Nice. Yes. Dang. They won't have to think about us. They'll be able to like play something that will holographically Into show their brain. them what we're doing right now. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> They'll find a way. To- <laughs> yeah. But like th- that. In 1990, I thought about the 1900s. That's so far away. But this yeah. is the early 2000s. Well, they talked about it. It's like when the um, when that 70s show came out, mm-hmm. it was 20 years after. So we could have a that 2000s show or that 90s show. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, the 70s show came out in the 90s. So we could have a that 2000s show. And it would still and be it's relevant. Just, and it's just Nelly getting hot in here, playing on the... And everyone's wearing Adidas track suits. Yeah. You know? Or there's a bunch of scene kids saying rar. Oh, God. I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, fun fact about Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 out of 10, when I was in fourth grade, I stole Pokemon cards from Walmart. How? I, How? Here's the trick, guys. Here's the trick, kids. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm admitting to something, but I don't know what the statutory limit is. Yeah. Statutory limit? Whatever. Yeah. I would find the Pokemon packs. I would walk into like an aisle full of toys. I would like pretend that i'm looking at toys like in the back of a shelf mm-hmm. i would rip open the cards nice. and i would stuff them in my pockets nice like a freaking oliver twist i you know i thought i was a pickpocket just the world's shittiest pickpocket pokemon pickpocket i didn't really want pokemon cards like i watched the show and played the game but i didn't want them until my school said i couldn't have them uh, the reverse effect yeah like, oh, I, now i have to have them because i went to a, a private christian school from 3k through high school yeah and everything was off limits uh so i had to have pokemon cards i had a couple of them um but uh our 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 thing of choice was like burning um games onto like like discs and we, we played them after school i thought, I thought you were going to talk about some I, pyro shit i should have i should have i should have hung Christian up on the word burning kids <laughs> no so what we do we would uh, uh burn these games onto discs and we cool. we we'd play them in the computer room after yeah. school huh. And so we'd give them out to all of my friends in my senior class, but then we charged underclassmen to buy them from us. <laughs> and then they would always play the game with us and we'd just destroy them. Dude, that was... So they paid you money to get wrecked at a particular... At like Red at Alert 2. Okay. Tribes, dude. Okay. That game, oh, it was so good. Um, but yeah, I don't know where we're going with that Pokemon I'll, I'll have to say, I don't know. I just wanted stuff. to go on a little Pokemon tirade and, and just tell everybody that I was a, a, a shameless thief. You know? But yeah, so anyway, I want to... Welcome, everybody. It's 2020. This is the officially the second episode of 2020. Yes, sir. And, you know, we got a lot of great uh, love from the Emily Prada episode. Yeah. It was really good having her on. The sound was a little janky. Yeah, that, I felt um, so. I felt and I feel so bad I, about that. I felt but... bad that you felt bad because that didn't really bother me as much as it bothered oh, you. God, it hurt me so bad. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. And it was just such a good conversation. Um, really grateful for it. Emily being on the show, I had multiple people reach out to me. They're like, you need to have her on again. And I think what it was is that there was so much towards the tail end that we started talking on that while she was talking, I was like, 
oh my gosh, like I was discovering things about myself while in a conversation. <laughs> it was, I don't know if I've ever been there. Uh, um, I think huh. I've been uh, pushed there by like really uh, planned out services where I think I'm in this glory moment. But I think like in a kitchen, mm. um, I experienced, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm actively learning something huh. while she was talking, just unpack it. That Is was there really anything cool. in particular that you're... I want to talk about it tonight. Okay, great. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was... That was so good. And there's definitely, I think we even mentioned it there, but there's so much we can continue to talk with her about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I loved it. And I've heard the same thing too. Nothing but good, good stuff about that podcast. So yeah. it was crazy. It was really uh, good. I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of what's, what's in the future for this year, because up until this point, we were just trying to get our workflow down just to kind of get into like the rhythm and trying to get yeah. used to having these conversations with folks. Neither one of us have ever really done this before. No. And what I'm looking forward to in like this next year and in the coming uh, years is to be able to start reaching out and doing interviews and people that we aren't necessarily in the same room with. So um, people who have been listening to us for a while, that's definitely like down the coming down the pike. Yeah. I'm, I am very, very excited. Yeah. So what is on the docket, man? Do you have anything you wanted to talk about? Well, I had just a, a spattering of just random stuff. Great. That was neither here nor there. Some of my notes don't make sense. Some Are these just, things that you can, that is better to interject into. Yeah, that, that's where I'm gonna cool. g- gonna put it. Cause, I mean, my mind works. Um, I can't even think of how to. You ever take one of those squishy balls and you throw up against the wall and, and like the ball like stretches and it you pick it up and come back together. Yeah, that's how my mind thinks. It Great, just, like Great. tentacles everywhere and they come. Back. I don't know. I well, then how about this? You're, you're much more linear than I am. I'll be linear today. Yeah, that, as, yeah, as usual. You sh- you should toss up the softball and I'll so, swing at it. Okay, cool. So, I was thinking about the past few episodes that we've had with interviewing folks. Mm-hmm. And we always try and ask the question, you know, were you a church kid? Um, when did your faith journey start to shift? And I realized that with the exception of our intro episode, we really didn't talk much about our, we talked about our background, like where we came from, yeah. but we didn't really talk about our actual journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are people who know us through the show and there are people who listen to the show because they know us yeah who have asked us on numerous occasions to like sit down with them and talk with them Mm -hmm. and usually it comes back to this conversation yeah this question Mm -hmm. right and so i figured we could talk about it let's are you down for that i said you don't have a choice yeah (laughs) you're in my house it'd be funny if you were like i don't want to talk about this (laughs) okay let's talk about something else (laughs) so i'll ask you the question um if you could think back um, how long has it been, how many years has kind of, has your thinking been changing as far as like your faith journey? Like when did, when did, when did you kind of turn to the dark side? Mm. How, how many years has it been, this, this process been for you? I, I think it was happening longer than I was conscious about. Say more. Looking back now, so looking back now and the reasons why I thought I was deconstructing or just relearning things or rethinking things. Yeah. They were valid for that time. I was burnt out. Um, I didn't realize the effect of the amount of work I was doing in the church. That was the effect that I was having on my family, like me spiritually, my wife, and my kids, and like just my enjoyment in life <laughs> about life uh, yeah. in general. Those reasons were valid and are still valid. But now I'm realizing that the uneasiness I felt when homosexuality was preached against so um, vehemently, mm. 
that was warranted and I shouldn't have pushed that away. Ah. Uh, um, when. So you felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Like but, a decade but you all, ago. But, yeah, but I'm not going to give myself that big of a pat on the back. Sure. But I mean, I think that comes with when you're a kid, right? So I'll speak for myself and I'll assume that you felt the same way, but like, I just wanted to hang out and I still, to the most, to the, for the most part, I still want to be friends with everyone. Like, um, I think everyone wants to be accepted. And so as a kid, that's what I really wanted, just to hang out and have friends and do whatever I wanted. So when I, when I'm told by this place that I'm at more than twice a week, three times a week, that we love you here if you do this. Right. And then God loves everyone if they do that. Hmm. And so, I mean, there's always those kind of like weird little, they would say Satan putting wedges in between you and God. Why do I keep going to that Southern accent? (laughs) I got to stop that. I got to repent. Satan putting wedges. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So I, I, I've always kind of felt uneasy, and I think it, if everyone's honest, they kind of felt the same way. I, I'd say you felt the same way too. I mean, oh yeah, when you were in, in the Philippines leading worship at like a huge mega church, I'm sure not everything clicked all the time. You're like, oh, bah, 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 this is the great for right? sure. Yeah, no, for, I agree. I, I, um, I moved to the Philippines when I was in junior high, and we stayed there for like three or four years, mm-hmm. and that's when I joined like this huge mega church. Yeah. And that was my first time ever experiencing a mega church. Up to that point, it had been kind of smaller family churches. So middle school, you said? Junior high, yeah. So yeah, like that, seventh. That was, that was the same for seventh, me. Seventh, eighth, and freshman. Yeah. And it was the craziest thing to see when I first saw it, this idea of like this sort of like mass marketing of Jesus mm-hmm. to people. And it was weird until it wasn't weird. When I decided I, I'm in... I bought in hook, line, and sinker. I'm going to wear the, you know, I'm going to say the company line. I'm going to wear the jersey, and I'm in. Yeah. Then I, I I didn't question it, and I bought it 100% wholeheartedly. There were moments, though, to your point, mm-hmm. where someone would say something, and everyone was just clapping because they felt like the person next to them was clapping. Mm, yeah. Or yes. everyone was laughing because yes. they felt yeah. like the other mm-hmm. one was laughing. And there wasn't it was just one of those things where you just kind of do it. You yeah. just kind of do what you're told. I, I started re-listening um, to the Pete Holmes book, Comedy, Sex, God. So good. And he talked about this one, in this one chapter, he talked about uh, in youth group, they gave everyone a card and said, yeah. what is the line uh, between sexual impurity? Mm-hmm. And he was so young and he wasn't brought up religiously. So he just put a check next to, you know, everything but intercourse, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he looked over, and, and he looked over at his friend, and his friend didn't check any boxes. He didn't check, uh, uh, I don't know, heavy petting. He didn't check outer course, which yeah. is hilarious. He didn't check anything, mm-hmm. and he realized that it was a trick. And he goes, "I ripped up the card. I asked for a new one, and then I won, and I felt great." And I think that's what happened to me. It is like any moment where you feel kind of weird, if you're in it and your identity is tied to that mm-hmm. organization. You repress it because the feeling of being one of the in the gang is better yes. than the feeling of being right or the feeling of not agreeing with mm-hmm. somebody, something like that. I don't know. How many years has it? Yeah. Been? So to answer your actual question, <laughs> um, so I would say about two years. Okay. Two years um, of just giving um, myself time to be myself. Mm. Uh, being very um, intentional about 
excavating myself. Mm. Like, in spirituality is, is a part of me, so that eventually comes along. But a lot of things, like I want to be in better shape. I want to be better with, with our finances. Like, there are goals I want for me and my family. And not that church was getting in the way, but I think I was allowing it to. I had a full-time job, and I worked at a church almost more than I worked at my full-time job yeah. for less pay because we couldn't afford it. I wasn't complaining about the pay. But on top of it, and you and I worked at the same uh, two. We, we worked at the same church together, and we planted the church together. Mm-hmm. But the first church we, we worked at, and this is when it this is when it started like really irking me, because at a certain point, or for a while, especially when I led worship, or we did like um, summer camps or mission trips, the youth was always like, "Oh, they're the future," and like people loved hearing what we said and or our music or the stories we had from mission trips and stuff, and so. When we were at that church and um, we were doing the worship band together and um, someone from another team asked us to be a part of their thing. Like we're putting on this thing Wednesday, Thursday or whatever day it was and we want the band to play. Yeah. And we're like, no. The pastor the, the pastor that was over us at the time uh, said no. And their response, I mean, it's still, it must affect me a lot because I'm thinking about it now. But their, their response was, well, we pay their their paycheck, so they should just do it. Hmm. I'm like, I when remember I heard that, this. I remember this. When I heard yeah. them, like, oh man, that doesn't feel right, especially uh, in a church. Yeah. Um. Huh. So it's almost like it's almost like your deconstruction started with the exoteric symptoms. You started noticing things. You're like. This behavior is weird. This organizational structure is weird. It wasn't like theological, or, or was it? No. So I. I the the burnout was was initial thing. Sure. I'm like I'm done. I've been doing church stuff since I was like 12, um, almost like 20 something years. Every Sunday for 20 odd years, and in some years of my life, it was Saturday and Sunday and Wednesday and Thursday. Right. Um, it was a lot. So when I took the time for myself and realized it wasn't selfish, and God didn't hate me for wanting to make me a better me. Then I was able to approach these theological things. And then I was able to approach, wow, I I was right in thinking that was wrong. And I'm ashamed I didn't say anything louder. Hmm. But um, like we all learn, we grow, we get older, things change, time moves forward. And I shouldn't feel shame for learning and growing. I can identify it. And I can hopefully be that light to other people, but I shouldn't feel shame in saying, well, I didn't see something back then. Mm. That's, that's to me, that's the old Baptist guilt. You didn't speak up when you had the chance. Every moment's an opportunity. <laughs> I stopped myself. I almost went Southern. <laughs> I pulled it back. But every moment's an opportunity. Every person you meet is going to hell. So you better preach the gospel to them. Um, so uh, I, I was scrolling through Twitter today and um, someone posted, uh, this information on how shepherds used to uh, rally sheep. Okay. And for the long, for the, a long time, uh, there was a myth that um, the shepherds would break the sheep's legs to keep them from running away. And the shepherds would then carry the sheep and would make the sheep dependent on the shepherd. Is that what that picture is? Like they're always holding them over their shoulders. You always see this picture of like the shoulder of the, of the shepherd like holding the lambs across their shoulders. That may be. Okay. And I'm not saying you're wrong. Okay. But then everyone started going, oh my gosh, I've heard this in a sermon. Oh my gosh, I've heard this in a sermon. And then someone posted the transcripts from Matt Chandler's sermon. 
like two or three years ago, where he says that sometimes Jesus is our shepherd. He might cap our knees so he can carry us and we can learn to rely on him. Okay, right? So shepherds, they're not 75-year-old men, right? They're not 50. They're not the life expectancy of a shepherd back in that time, life expectancy of anyone yeah. was much less than it is right. today. They're teenagers. No one is mob style kneecapping a 75-pound <laughs> sheep to then carry it around its neck you know what I to th- prove a point. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I think you should do this. Is You should kneecap your wife so that she learns to be dependent on you for her own good. You know how fucking psychopathic that sounds? It's nuts. Wait. So Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. So what God does is he loves us so much that he wants us to be addicted to him. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he cripples us mm-hmm. potentially... Uh, indefinitely. Yeah. Because he thinks that our addiction to him is better than our addiction to anything else. Yes. Doesn't sound sociopathic. And so th- they posted that tweet and a lot of that, the the people were responding to it like, wow, I feel bad. I taught on that. Wow, wow. I feel bad. I believed in that. Yeah. Um, I've never heard that illustration. I it was crazy. They pulled up a Matt Chandler transcript. I'm like, dude, that used to be my guy. He was my guy. Yeah. When Matt Chandler came out, he, he I'm like, that, that's the guy I'm going to attach my wagon to. And, and, and follow him. I listen to his podcast. That was the whole thing. Yeah. So it, it's just those inklings now that I'm seeing. Okay. Wow. I I was I was um, I am now justified for feeling that way about that thing. Hmm. Sorry, I'm not sure. We I am about to get murdered. <laughs> I don't I don't know whether we should continue. For those who didn't hear, that no, was, we're gonna keep us rolling. For those yeah. who didn't hear, you said something, and someone spoke to us. The, the, I have an Alexa in my kitchen that I put up underneath the cabinet. Oh my. Gosh. But I don't know why. It, is Matt Chandler in my house? <laughs> I, think, I think Matt Chandler is inside your cabinets. Jesus, wa- you. Jesus wants the rose. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that was weird. But yeah, so I know for, for me, it wasn't theological. It is now, it, it has now like kind of branched out into a bunch of other stuff. Like uh, uh, Trump tweeted, which is a great way to start any sentence. Uh, that he is going to make a, a he's going to invite a bunch of um, different religions to the White House to make it a point, and they're all going to pray and do a bunch of other stuff. But they're there to um, explicitly point out the importance of prayer in schools, and he needs to give it back to the kids so they can pray. Like no one's taking that away from you. Hmm. Now I'm starting to see all this, these um, what's it called when you it's a it's a it's a false argument. Uh, what's it called when you build up it's a straw man argument. Yeah, they're just. And a lot of that is the conservatives, uh, the Christian, uh, the Western Christian is to getting mad about everything yeah. because you have to be on the defense at all times. So anything, you have to have a response to anything. The house is on fire. Yes. Like this is it. A- everything. Yeah. We need prayer back in schools. The gays can't get married. Everyone <laughs> needs a gun. And oh, I'm beating beef. <laughs> Screw your vegetables. <laughs> like I don't, no one's, no one's shoving broccoli in your mouth. Um, but I yeah. want to talk about you brought you mentioned Matt Chandler and it reminded me yeah of an incredible I agree with you Matt Chandler to me probably more than you know the other reformed pastors like John Piper or, or Mark Driscoll or mm-hmm. David Platt I was like a real reformed guy I was like all the yeah. way in it we both were we both were and I think reformed theology became like a like a a weighted blanket I felt so secure and comfortable yeah. because it had a definitive, there were definitive boundaries. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that always stuck with me 
Matt Chandler said this one illustration. He said, if I told you that I adore my wife and I couldn't tell you why I, I adored her, either it's her long jet black hair or it's her deep black eyes, I adore everything about her. Only problem is that Lauren, my wife, has short blonde hair and she has blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And the the point he was making was that if you don't appreciate God the way he actually looks, then you don't actually love God. You mm-hmm. love somebody else. And I remember hearing that, and that forced me into— it, for, if it, it enforced this sort of fundamentalist reading of Scripture, and it enforced my Reformed Calvinistness mm-hmm. because it's like, I better know Jesus the right—I better know the right Jesus— or else I'm worshiping Baal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like the Bible is the true depiction of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until probably 2016 when I started, when my deconstruction started, and I started being like, it's really fucking convenient that God elected us. Mm Mm-hmm. That God us. only elected a few. Us, capital, uh, capital U, us right. in this building. <laughs> right. Yes. That, it's really convenient. I remember having a conversation with a buddy who was deep in the cage stage, so I can't blame him. But he said, I don't think that people who, I, I feel like if you don't believe in predestination, mm-hmm. some random theological doctrine, if you don't believe in limited atonement, you're probably not a Christian. You're probably not going to heaven. And it was just this sort of, it was one of those few things where, like you said, something just didn't feel right. Like it was like in a scary movie and everything's going well. And then like one note kind of rings dissonantly. And all of a sudden the angle of the camera shifts a little bit and you're like, what did you say? I think for me, that was kind of when it started. Yeah. It was, it was like I was playing in a band for those who don't know, we were in, we were in, we were in a band called the Anchor Collective, and we had started the band as worship leaders. And my whole thing, I didn't really vo- verbalize it, but my whole thing was like, let's just write Jesus music and play at like bars and mm-hmm. clubs and concert venues. And so the whole band ethos was like, this is a ministry opportunity. And it wasn't, but like as we were doing that, interacting with people all across the spectrum of their belief structures, that was kind of coming alongside this sort of weird, hyper-confident Calvinist movement mm-hmm. thing that we were in. And then that was also right around the time that like Donald Trump started gaining a lot of momentum. Yeah, I know for you, just based on what you're, what you have talked about, <clears throat> the Trump thing, and not just Trump, the blind support that every Christian had to offer him, that was a big thing for you. Yes, because I remember. Can you stop playing with that rapper? Can you hear it? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> like either your crotch is super crunchy, or you got a wrap in your hands. Dude, I'm so sorry. That's oh, crazy. it's the Velcro. I, it's the Velcro. I couldn't hear Bro, it. Bro, if you need a fidget toy to just get you through this hard moment about Trump, I will provide you with the fidget. I have some dog toys you can play with. I thought the fidget toy was like a penis. If you need a fidget toy, I'm gonna make a penis joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna even go there. Don't go dude. there. Don't go. I there. will not. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, so penis, Donald yeah. Trump. <laughs> Speaking of penis, I itty bitty penis, Donald yeah, Trump. Yeah. You're right, because I saw the initial recoil. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump came out like a big blathering buffoon. Yeah. And all the Christians I loved and respected were like, This guy's an idiot. Vote for anyone else. And then the the 
the straws got fewer and fewer. And then all of a sudden, people who couldn't stand this guy because he was so vehement, diametrically opposite of everything Jesus represented, eventually the conversation wasn't he's lousy. The conversation was like, well, who would you rather, who yeah. would you rather have? And I remember being so hurt and disappointed and angry at this sort of like passive, um, like the voices who were rightfully shitting on this guy mm-hmm. just got quieter and quieter. And even worse, the ones who were shitting on him became more and more vocal, but were just suddenly singing a different tune. And that was one of the biggest things for me. Would you still be as affected if he didn't win? Was you that know a, what you know? It would be? Was that enough? Was 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 the winning just like oh that accelerated things? You know what it would have been like. Mm-hmm. It, it it might not have been as bad because I I got I experienced like the gloating of the people when he won. That also was like a nail in a yeah, coffin. Yeah, yeah. But it would have been very similar because it would have been like mom and dad getting a fight, mm-hmm. and you tell your mom that if you guys if you guys get a divorce, I'm living with dad, and then and then they stop fighting, but you can't take back what you said. Yeah, that's kind of what it would have mm. been like. Um, it was worse though because then people who I loved and respected were like, God put this guy in office. God did it. It was God's hand, all these things. And so I, someone asked me like, did you really like lose your faith Mm -hmm. because of some politician? And I remember someone saying like, dude, if if some politician is enough to make you, your faith crumble, then you weren't a Christian to begin with. And to this day, I don't really know how to respond to that. Cause you, you know, cause you, you hear like the whole, like, uh, one save always saved. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you fell away, then you were never saved in the first place. That yeah. was like a big theological mm-hmm. doctrine that we were taught. It makes, it, it, if I had heard somebody say that 10 years ago, five years ago, I would have been like, yeah, they probably were never saved mm-hmm. to begin with. And it would have been a convenient answer yeah. to what I'm going through. Well, I am trying, trying, uh, <laughs> to, yeah, I'm yeah, trying to, not minimalize people's experiences. Mm. I'm very much a person who is, don't care what you said. We got to get here. We said we're going here. We have to be there this time. I'm very much, boom, 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 boom. Um, and so I've had people respond to something I said or posted or mentioned in a conversation or said, and they asked me later, and they do that same thing. Like, well, I don't think you were ever like really saved or, mm. And my initial reaction is like, I feel that you are mim- minimalizing or or watering down everything that I said and choosing just the politics thing. Uh, so I think that that's the response I would have. That's the response I've had. I, it's just my experiences, my yeah. experience that I'm going through, my life that I'm living is so much more than just this. Yes, that is a part of it. Yeah. But it's not the thing. It is one of the things. It and was how, a leg of the chair, but it wasn't the whole chair. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I think for me, it was like, experiencing things that were outside of my bubble coupled with a growing disenfranchisement or disillusionment Mm -hmm. with a theological structure that was so confident against the other leg. And then this sort of weird fucking Trump debacle that our country went through. I think those three things together were like kind of the infinity stones that caused the snap for me. And um also I started like I, I think I was getting tired of having God figured out. Mm. Cuz I had God figured out. 
Like, I knew what the way that a, a, a man and a woman should interact because a woman should be submissive, complementarian. Yeah. I knew that um, uh, grace covers a multitude of sins, but if you sin too much, then you are never sin. Like, I knew, like, like all of the weird arguments and, like, all of, like, the mm-hmm. doctrinal stances. But then it became, like, a jigsaw puzzle that you're so busy finding the corners and the edges and lumping together all the similar colors that you don't actually appreciate what you're trying to build. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it felt like for me. Well, now thinking back through the timeline timeline of it all, um, you were going through it for a bit. That's yeah. very much you. Yeah. You all over things. Yeah. Take your time. Yeah, like 2016, 2015, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you started talking about it, I'm like, yeah, that's not that right. Like, <laughs> I, I'm like a light switch. I'm on and off. <laughs> right. um, so that's just funny. Uh, but um, this goes perfectly into a video I had wanted to play. But um, yeah. one of the things that I'm noticing now is just what I said before. It's just the, you're out. And I know we're in the club because I know you're out because mm. you don't do this. Or you go to the church that's next to our church. That's not my church. Right. Um, very much that like the the binary thinking. Mm. Um, so this is this is our dude Richard Rohr. This Roar. is his thing on that. Yeah. So someone someone posted this on Twitter once again. It was so good. It, are we gonna watch the whole thing straight through, or are we gonna stop it and 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 dissect it? We can do whatever you want. It's only like two minutes long. Okay. It's not that long. All right. Let's play. Yeah, it. we'll play it. Roll it. Without a contemplative mind, you divide the field of every moment without realizing you're doing it into what you agree with and what you don't agree with. You do it automatically. The moment you hear a new one, well, I like that, don't like that, agree with that, don't agree with that. Because the, the mind is a binary system and it finds great comfort, false comfort, I might add, but it finds great comfort in saying, Republican, Democrat, I'm one of them. And, and I gotta say it in that coarse way to recognize how stupid that is, to think, <laughs> Because you've divided the complex, subtle universe into two tribes in one country, and you jump on the horse of one tribe and call that thinking, and call that wisdom, call that compassion, call that holiness, it's almost nothing. It's empty pouring into empty. It's like, we're not going to get anywhere with this. And this is where we're trapped right now. Wow. So somebody posted this. Oh, with Brian's on. This is where we're trapped right now. Mm. And I'm like, what? What is this? And that to me was holy shit. I love that. That that to me landed on this quote Kevin Michael Garcia put up from Carl Jung. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life, and you will call it fate. So I mm. think to me, what I'm realizing there's so much of this unconscious. These things we are doing unconsciously. We're signing up for the Republican Party because we're Christian. We are dressing this way because that's what wait, wait, that my church tells me to dress. Or we are pushing ourselves to work this hard because this is what God demands of me. And we're unconsciously doing these actions. And it's to me, it, it physically hurt me. I was depressed. Like, I didn't notice that at the time. I was depressed. I didn't sleep much at all. My sleep was... But I called it my fate. That was my destiny. That was what I was called to do is because I wasn't really consciously aware of what I was doing. And I think what Richard Rohr points out is like that binary thing. Yes. No, we do that immediately. When you see someone, yep. 
oh man, he has that shirt on. I, I know who he is. Right. Yes, no, I don't like him. Don't talk. I'll talk to him. Don't talk to him. I'll walk past him. Can I mention something on the social media account? Go. Some, I posted a thing on, on Instagram and somebody commented like, hey, if you're going to post, uh, if you're going to use a hashtag like Richard Rohr, let's just keep it to things that are more insightful, basically. That was so good. <laughs> and so I actually found a quote on Richard Rohr about the binary mm-hmm. that like we immediately label things as funny or stupid or, or good and bad mm-hmm. or, you know, and it's like, it, but he, he said it, right? It's a cheap and false security of saying I am in and you're out. And we need this sort of binary. Um, if you're not careful, we, we feel like we need this binary um, to give ourselves security. Like we're protecting ourselves. We're saying like, I don't like you mm-hmm. because I like my people and I am a Democrat or I'm a Republican. Most likely they'll say I'm a Republican because I can't stand the Democrats and vice versa. Um, and you're unconsciously doing that all the time. And yeah. so one of the first people I was introduced to just by, well, was Rob Bell. I mean, that was the guy I think both you and I clung to because he was the guy we were told not to talk to. <laughs> yeah. And we talked to Danny because we were also told that Danny was doing things wrong. Like, well, let's check out what the wrong people are doing. Um, but he turned us on to Rob Bell and then I quickly found Richard Rohr. And it was comforting to find someone who still spoke in the same churchy terms right. that I could very easily transition into, right? It's, uh, it's accessible. I didn't go from like remedial math to fucking calc. <laughs> yeah. I like it, I felt like I was being handed off. Yeah. By the arms of the universe. Nice. Whatever, something. But it was a really good transition. And I think when I found that there was this culture or this this way of thinking that was more inclusive and allowed me time to catch up to it. Yeah. They didn't demand the first time, the first day I walk in right. to be dressed the exact same, the correct way. Like I had time to process things. And that was part of the thing was, Hey, we're here. We're going to talk about stuff. And that was so comforting. Yeah. It didn't, if it wasn't for you going on that journey with me, I don't think I definitely wouldn't be where I am now in it. Yeah. But I wouldn't have felt as comfortable living that out. I would have done it in my house with my wife and my kids, right. but putting my, your, your quote, boots to the ground or salt of the yeah, boot. Salt, salt on my boots. <laughs> no, but I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, you, you mentioned it like, I started having these weird thoughts and I felt like it was just like, I couldn't talk to anybody about it. Yeah. I mean, it was like that too. years. I just felt like I just couldn't. And all I knew was like, I would come to church and I would plug in my guitar and I would sing some songs and then I would make sure that the worship space looked emotional Mm -hmm. and the verbiage and the signage was impeccable. And then I would just like leave and I'm like, dude, this is so empty and hollow. And I think there were multiple times where I, I stepped, I eventually stepped down from leading worship because I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. yeah. I think I told you, I was like, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, it was physically exhausting and I don't think I noticed it at the time, but it was spiritually and emotionally exhausting because it's exhausting to pretend to be somebody or not. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting to fake anything. And your job as the worship leader was to lead the congregation. That, and, the thing, and not only that, I had to be, it's almost like a, uh, it was this mindset of like, 
would you want a personal trainer who is in worse shape than you? No, you want a personal trainer who's jacked yeah. so that they can make you jacked. And I, that sort of mentality carries over into worship leading and, and pastoral leadership where it's like people will need to follow somebody who's better than they are, more we, righteous we than they are. We were told that we would need to bleed it. Yes. From, ev- from everything. We have to hemorrhage it in order for them, the to, for them to We had to hemorrhage it. So they would just catch a trickle of it, right? So along those lines, right? And and I'm like, oh, let's let's flip my wrist. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing is, like, imagine that means that is basically conditioning people to go. You need to be a superhuman if you want these to be, if you want them to be good. And you how need old to be were perfect. we, dude? Dude, I was my twenties. I was like nineteen or twenty. I couldn't even like drink yet, and all of a sudden, I was like, I had to be like the perfect Christian. Yeah, and but. But I keep going back to this, and then I said this on the on Emily's podcast, and this is where our mind keeps like jumping back into. That was not consciously done. I know. Yeah, they were yeah. not consciously no. trying to make us or, or force us to be perfect, and no one ever said be perfect. Right. In fact, they said not to be perfect. They said you can't be. It's not, it's not worth it. It's not but possible. But, man, that to me is that I, I don't understand that. Mm. Uh, it's like reverse psychology or something. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't think it's any psychology. <laughs> It's just people who aren't psychologists talking about bullshit. It's you, okay. Uh, God loves you as you are. One that's false. Because if I were black, you would not let me in this church. Because uh, there are no black people here, and you don't let black people in the church. Um, you let one black person in just to sing the gospel song, and then you'll usher her off stage. And they never sing. They never sing. Yeah. Wait, is that right, dude? That girl never sang, but that one song that had like seventeen different time changes, and somehow had a tambourine oh, just so, for her song. That's fucked up. So, um. But yeah, you're not perfect. Yeah. Da, 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 da. But if you're gonna work for the Lord, right. here's all these things you gotta do. I'm like, well, yeah. looking at that list, that looks like I really gotta be perfect. Yeah, I remember a conversation I had with a with a pastor, and I told him what I was going through, and he's like, "Hey, it sounds like you're like dabbling in universalism or something." And he's like, "If you, if you're just like a lay attender, that's one thing. But like, if you're on stage leading or if you're on staff at a church, like you can't be in that place." What's crazy is I'm gonna have a, a really hard day at work. I come home, I bust open my secret stash of universalism. I, I dabble just, in universalism. I dabble a little. Ooh, gets me through the night. That sounds like you're, he's accusing you of hard drugs. <laughs> like you're dabbling in a little no, bit I, of the. Uh, people say they the saw you. you in the back of an alley uh, with the guy trying to get. Blowing him to get some universal. Can I see your uh, arm veins really quick? I think you're uh, dabbling. <laughs> Let me see your fingertips. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, crazy. It, it, it is. And once again, it's such a over-exaggerated reaction hmm. to what is normal. Sex is normal. Hormones are normal. Right. But I was, I'm not going to assume we were, I was taught that everything was the line. And women should be ashamed to dress the way they dress because it's their responsibility for my horniness. Right. Like, how dare you? When make I'm my 12 and 13, tight. and you got all the guys in one room and the girls in another room, one, I'm thinking about what the girls are talking about, hoping that it's me. It was not. It was I never had braces <laughs> and wore oversized shoes. Uh, <laughs> but that kind of talk, and it, they weren't doing it on purpose because the people who were there leading that talk were. Like now, ten years younger than me, we're like twenty three, twenty four. That's crazy. They were doing what they thought was best. Yeah, of course. And what, is, what does John Mulaney have a bit about? Like a kid taking care of a younger kid. Yeah. He's yeah. like, you're just a, a, a larger child than my child. It's yeah. like uh, hiring a horse to babysit a dog. Yeah, that's what it was, man. It's yeah. like no one knows what they're talking about. No, no one knows what they're doing. Um, I think 
I, I think I needed something started changing um, when I started trying to look at the kind of like the broader, more like cosmic wilderness aspect of God. And when you started saying the word cosmic around me and you were serious about it, I'm like, dude, <laughs> either we're going to play laser tag <laughs> or I'm about to learn about some new God. Yeah. <laughs> and I was down for it, man. Dude. <laughs> I'm a sucker for good marketing, dude. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a, such a weird, I feel like you can't say the word cosmic without like a <laughs> or that's like a, that's like the, the the ice cream man who comes through your neighborhood. I'll take a cosmic. Yeah, which is like right. has like a bunch of weird bubble gum in it. It's like a bunch of swirls. I know that's yeah. true. It's like it's like black with glitter in it. It's, yes. Yeah, cosmic. Um, but I remember one of the biggest things that I heard. Well, it was actually Levi the poet wrote. He shared an article or he wrote an article, and he was talking about. Um, it must have been a share because I don't think it was his experience. Basically, I'm just gonna recap it. Basically a boy's grandpa died and his grandpa was native American Indian. Hmm. And the boy left that native American tradition, faith tradition and became an evangelical. And he said he, his side of the family threw his grandpa like a Christian memorial service. And then I guess his wife's side of the family threw um, his grandpa, a traditional native American mm-hmm. service. And I'm, I'm doing it a disservice because I don't even remember the, the, the tribe or the region but basically he said it was crazy to see how sterile and cold mm. and uh repressive the christian memorial tradition was and then you look at the like unbridled kind of wild joy and life in the other one mm-hmm. and he said somewhere god got lost god got tamed domesticated put into a bottle mass produced and then like sold to market it's like but what about god's wilderness and i heard that and it kind of rocked my shit and i was just like i and that's what it started me down the path of saying i still believe in heaven and hell Mm -hmm. i believed heaven and hell i believed hell and heaven had a zip code like we're going it's a physical place with real floors and and it's stone but it made me go what is the true admission fee to get into heaven Mm. Do you remember what kind of some of your doctrinal things were that started to kind of like, what was the domino for you that started to kind of like knock down the other dominoes? Do you remember any of that stuff? I can talk more about my thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, I want to put a pin in what you said. Yeah. I want to come back to that. But it was, um, I think one of the biggest things for me um, was I, I, we were told um, there are open hand things you talk about. Right. So, um, Infant baptism, uh, uh, author of some books of the Bible, um, and there are closed-handed things you you, t- you don't talk about, right? Those that's like the inerrancy of Scripture, and virgin birth, all that stuff, right? Resurrection, yeah, Genesis, and yeah, Holy Spirit, the dove, all that stuff. And so, when I had questions about the open-handed things, I was approached with the same shut up about itness hmm. as it was the closed handed things. And and no one knew what the open handed ones no one could agree on what was the open handed no. issue and what was the closed handed issue. And then I'm like, well then what can I talk about? Hmm. And then the next then I shortened that sentence. I'm like, what can I talk? <laughs> like can I say anything? Yeah. And then 
I realized that when I left and I stepped down and I left, no one knew. And I wasn't looking for like a hurrah, hurrah, high five or nothing. But it realized, I, I realized that all the things I thought I was doing for the kingdom or for that church we planted, all that was to most people, a soundboard and whatever music was happening. That's all that mattered. Hmm. When I was gone, no one noticed because I set up for those things to continue. But there is, there is nothing. Um, very few people, or people contacted me to ask me why I left the church and they don't, they didn't use the word backslide, but that's what they impl- implied, <laughs> which is a really funny word. I love the word. Which backslide. is, that's an irresponsible way to go down to any slide. <laughs> yeah. First of all, yeah. Who? That's weird. You're going the same direction, yeah, but just, you can't, if see anything, shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Slide is bad enough. But yeah. It was just, I, I wanted to talk about stuff Yeah, because now I had these babies in my house. One, I'm not sleeping. So everything's a conspiracy. I'm like, I don't think we landed on the moon. Um, chemtrails are over my house, only my house. And, uh, I don't know if Jesus was a thing. Um, but it, there was, I, I was allowed no space. Um, and then, I, that that was one of the things, and it was just so many things on top of that. It's just when people were shitting on Danny Prada, and I knew him before he was swole, and I knew him as this little skinny dude. skinny Prada. Yeah, he was singing, and I knew him from this old church. I'm like, he can't be like, and I I just heard all this other stuff where it seemed it at first it's like okay we can't talk about closed handed things fine, then we can't talk about open handed things okay now you're just telling me to do work because things need to get done great. Now you're just shitting on Danny Prada. Wait, and it, it got narrow and narrow. I'm like, I think you just don't like me <laughs> or you just don't like this honest question and this journey I want to go on. Yeah. I'm like, there's no room for me here. Yeah. And then you're off doing your own cosmic thing. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm going to go do whatever Adrian's doing because <laughs> this is boring. Yeah. And I'm just a glorified note taker. Right. And I'm busting my butt. I think we were taught we they gave us like entire summers worth of curriculum about apologetics. Mm. We went on mission trips and were taught how to win the gospel on someone. And it conditioned us to and conditioned everyone around us to be like, if I have a question, it wasn't a true question to be heard and answered. It was a Oh, that's a good point. I should probably come up with a... Mm, that's a good one. Okay, good. Dang. That's a good question. I like yes. that question. And then it just became a practice round yes. for the apologetics debate that they were gearing up for somebody yes. at college. Yeah. It was never like a real no. kind of living conversation. That's... And and to your point about mission trips, that was like my thing for a long time. Yeah, I remember. I am positive like a part of my heart is still left in Peru. I just... Yeah. I've been to that country more than a handful of times. I'm Love dying it. to go. It's beautiful. A lot of friends still there. And I don't want to, to kind of backtrack. I don't want to say all this stuff and it come off like I'm ungrateful for those times. I, I've I've pushed myself to learn to appreciate all that stuff I did. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done music. I would have never sung. I wouldn't have learned anything about audio recording. I wouldn't know a lot of, and I wouldn't be a, a lot of who, what I am and who I am today without that. That being said, one of the things that also kind of flipped, started flipping a table was I read this book, uh, um, Toxic Charity or something like that. Toxic Missions or something along those lines. But the book was written by a, 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 a former pastor who was a missions pastor. And that was his thing. Missions, missions, missions. Locally, internationally. 
and his book about how missions are just stupidly ineffective. Like, man, I bought into that club for a long time. That was a club within the club. Yeah. Um, the mission people were like, like the, oh, yeah, they wore like the gold jackets. Yeah. Yeah. And I sent out a bunch of letters and give me money. I, I felt too. looking back, that's so, so stupid and cringy, but like even that coming apart, I'm like, man, I'm not, I think what it was now that I'm saying it was, I realized I wasn't being objective. What do you mean? I realized I wasn't asking honest questions about the things I was doing. I was doing them because I've always done them. Yeah. And I can get to a point where I'm just, I can, I can enjoy a schedule and I can enjoy knowing what's happening every week. But then once again, I have kids. How am I going to answer the questions to them? I'm not even asking questions to myself. Okay. Let's start asking questions at this place where I've been welcomed. Now I can't ask questions. My questions aren't welcomed. Now I'm not feeling welcomed. Right. Right. I'm not welcomed anymore. Because because now when I start to ask actual questions that I don't want your apologetic response to, I want to talk it out. Let's talk it. Let's do it. We we've been doing this, but I I thought we were doing it for a long time. But now that I realize that, like that's, I wasn't asking questions of myself when 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 that missionary stuff and doing missions kind of fell apart, and just there there's no room for me to ask questions. I'm like, then I'm gonna ask the questions. You're not gonna listen, and I'll have to find my own answers. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know. It, it was very difficult to speak up about certain questions. I'm such a people pleaser that if someone, if I asked a question and someone's like, I don't know, man, that's one of those weird questions. It's got to ask God when we get to heaven. Yeah. I would have been like, okay. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have said it. Yeah. And I think I'm the kind of person who like, I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to leave. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to have to just figure this out on my own. And the biggest thing I equated it to was like, I felt like I had built like this card castle, this house of cards. Yep. And, uh, and one, and like the first layer was the inerrancy of scripture. Mm-hmm. And then higher up, it was, more to me complex theories like limited atonement you know uh irreconcilable grace or whatever Mm -hmm. the fuck and then you know and then it was like women pastor like women pastors and like headship and marriage i had all these things constructed and i felt like they just the the castle just kept falling down falling down and the thing like and i've told this to you Mm -hmm. my whole thing was like i want to know what the table's made out of Mm mm-hmm what is the table? What is the bare bones that, that any human being that has ever existed and will ever exist needs to get into heaven? That was my question. It wasn't, does heaven exist? To me, heaven did exist. It wasn't, does hell exist? It was like, I don't think that the lines you're drawing, that we've been drawing this whole time are bold lines. I think these are like dotted lines that don't actually mm-hmm. exist. And so for me, my deconstruction started with going like, if you're not a Calvinist, are you out? And I was like, no, that can't, that can't be right. And then, so I, I kind of made the circle a little bit bigger. And I was like, if you're not a Protestant, are you out? And I was like, no, that can't be right because there are Catholics who, and I was like, if you're, if you're not, then I started getting into what I thought were more taboo topics. I was like, if you're not straight, are you out? And then I was like, I don't, I don't think that applies. And one thing that someone that I didn't, I think it was Rob Bell or, said years later was he said the gospel 
wasn't offensive because of who it excluded. It was mm, offensive yeah. because of the people that it included. Mm. And I think subconsciously I was kind of doing that. I was just like making the table longer in my mind. And then once you make the table longer, you can never make it shorter mm-hmm. again. Once you've convinced yourself, once it sounds like I, I, I told myself to do it. I didn't tell myself to do it. It just happened. Once the table yeah, gets yeah, longer, it can't yeah. get shorter. I was thinking about that today too. Uh, when we're getting ready for the podcast, I'm just thinking back and the, this question popped in my head. Would I want to go back to the way I was with the security of knowing everything? I said, I don't know if I could. It's like a, once you see, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Sort of thing exactly on, on internet. Yes. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know if I could. Yeah. And there was definitely some fear in stepping out of what I was a part of for so long, not knowing if there was another group for me to jump into, yeah. but it also helped me is that I had my family. Like at that point, at that point, like, I don't care if anyone ever comes to my house ever again. Like I have my kids and that's enough. I got enough to worry about, but luckily, and I say that luckily because I think that if if this would have happened and I was born a little bit earlier, these groups would be harder to find social media for its, for its echo chamberness. The echo chamber can be comforting when you need it. Right. Oh yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's solidarity. Yeah. It's, it's preaching to the choir a lot, but at that time, it was exactly, exactly what I needed. I'll never forget. I um, decided I wanted to listen to Rob Bell. Mm-hmm. I listened to Bad Christian podcast, and they interviewed John Mark McMillan. Mm-hmm. And John Mark McMillan said he listened to he read Richard Rohr, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what that was. What's a Richard <laughs> Rohr? Yeah. And then I saw that Richard Rohr was interviewed by Rob Bell, and mm-hmm. I knew who Rob Bell was. Yeah. So I listened to his podcast and the first episode I started on episode one and his first episode was something to the effect of like, there is something, there is a way of being in the world that you have experienced and you feel like once you've gone there, you can't ever go back mm. and you feel like you are going against some sort of grain. And I remember just being like feeling so connected to what he was saying I guess for me, it's like it. It it wasn't until I talked to you, and you weren't dismissive, mm-hmm. and then I reached out to Danny Prada, and then I reached out to a buddy of ours, um, uh, Nick, who plays bass in our band, and he was also really receptive. And it was almost like I had to like, it's like try and like casually say something to somebody, yeah. and then just like see what their face yeah, did. Yeah, and. You could tell right away when someone didn't want to hear what you had to say. And so you learn really quick to shut the fuck up about it. But whenever you found someone who was actually receptive, and usually it was over like a couple beers Mm -hmm. when like people had kind of let the guard down, it gave me room and permission to think and talk through some things. And I started listening to more people and authors that were asking questions that, and then I realized that like these questions have been asked for ages. I wasn't, I didn't make this up. And, that was, and yeah, how, how much that better was, does that make you feel? That was one of the biggest things is, okay, wow, okay. I'm horrible at remembering things, so I'm surprised my brain works. So now I'm thinking about it. It's two things. Hermeticism, and which was when I was uh, working where I currently work, this one girl sitting next to me was super into it, reading books about it, and like, hey, what is that? And um, a lot of just like a way of thinking and a way of being in the world, that was different. And Wikipedia, that like that's pretty cool. 
And from that Wikipedia article, I ended up in on an article about the Desert Fathers and Desert Mothers. And for a minute, that was my cosmic. That was my jam. Because I remember, I remember bringing that up to a point where I'm like, I should stop talking about it because it's super annoying. But to your point, these desert fathers and desert mothers, these hermits who lived in like North Africa, who oddly enough are the spiritual impetus for the sect of Catholicism that my wife comes from, hmm. which is like, that's, that's not crazy. a coincidence. Yeah. Um, but they were thinking and asking the same questions. Didn't have a home, nomads, gypsies. But they were into this mystic, mystic way of looking at the Christ in the universe. And then I, when, like you said, when Richard Rohr is talking about this stuff and Rob Bell is talking about this stuff, and then you actually start going through history, like people have been asking this stuff and I'm, I'm not an idiot because I think there's a point where when everyone says you're backsliding, cool, they, they put that pat on your back. Oh, cool, man. Okay, we'll be praying for you. And when that's done enough, I'm like, man, do I really need that much prayer? <laughs> Am I really backsliding? Yeah, it makes you wonder. You're like, yes, maybe I'm losing it. Maybe this is maybe, it. Maybe I'm the crazy one. Yeah. And so to find that gem on Wikipedia, mm. like these people who wandered the desert hundreds of years ago and who the writings of men and women still... What? Yeah. Even women? I know. That was a huge <laughs> thing for me. Even women. Um their writings still influence the East, Eastern culture very much so, but even the Western culture today in just some of the teachings um, in this more of mystic way of thinking. I'm like, oh man, I, I finally feel like I don't have to always have my back completely straight and be like super tense all the time. Right. Like I, okay. I'm, I think I've found where I want to hang out for a bit with these people who have been asking questions for a long time. Yeah. I I think I'm good to settle here for a bit. Absolutely. I think when I was starting to expand um, and I was listening to Rob Bell, which by the way, Rob Bell had this thing that he said on his documentary, The Heretic, which Mm -hmm. is really good. good. Very, very good. So apparently the word radical has always been taken as somebody who like distorts Mm -hmm. the truth and is like a radical terrorist or something. Yeah. But originally, the word radical has root ties to the word radish, which is deep down in the ground. And initially, it's almost as if you're, the, the concept of the word is uh, supposed to be like a radical is the one who gets deeper down into the thing, closer mm-hmm. and closer to the original thing. I thought that was kind of interesting. I came to going from our only Protestants saved, no, okay, our people who profess is it anyone that professes Jesus, whether straight or gay mm-hmm. or queer? And then I said, yeah, that's got to be it. Like, they can't. And then I listened to Richard Rohr and him talk about the cosmic Christ. Mm, yeah. And what that yeah. did for me was go, holy shit, maybe it's more than just Christianity. And I think that's when, like, like all the dominoes started, like, cascading in different directions. Because it made me go, maybe everything's open-handed. Maybe everything is already in all the time, always. Um, and I think it's like there are movies that deserve a rewatch, right? Um, there are books that deserve a reread. And there are experiences that you do when you're a kid and you go back into it like, man, that was not anything 
like I remember. That that store is much smaller. That show sucked. <laughs> but what's been really nice is having this subconscious stack of verses in my head that was drilled into me whether at church or at the private Christian school I went to. Yeah. That pop up every now and then just because they're there flooding around in my brain. And when it says that uh, John 3.16 for God to love the world like shit it was there the whole time. Hmm. There's no clarifying statement after afterwards. It's God so loved the world starting in 1900. <laughs> sure. It's it's the it's the verses in Psalms where nature is constantly talking about God. Like, oh, dude, it was, it was it's there. been there. It's been there. And then yes. what quickly followed after that and it's my own fault, it's just this anger at how dare you cut out this stuff hmm. that's been there. Uh, and then now I'm thinking about it now. I don't know. I don't know if they were consciously doing it, but it felt like it. You're cutting out this beautiful stuff or you're skipping over it or you're interpreting it just to fit whatever your series is. Yeah. When it's been here the entire time. Right. Where when, when, when you and I both got into that Richard Rohr cosmic Christ thing, like, Oh dude, this it's is a like, game changer. This is like the answer for the big bang. Right. This is the answer for, cause to be honest, that was one of the questions we had to have an answer for. Mm-hmm. What's is evolution or is Genesis right? Like now it can be. Hey, answer is yes. Both of them right. <laughs> yeah. Both of them can high five. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's just I don't actively reread the Bible because it's not a book that's enjoyable. Because <laughs> it's a bunch of books. I don't go to Barnes and Noble. Take a bunch of books, duct tape them together, and then read them all front to back. <laughs> you don't like love like the thousand Philistine foreskins or like the no. That's not. That's what I have tattooed in my foot. A, a thousand Philistine. Yeah. The image yeah, or the words. It's, it hurt. It's, it's a lot of detail. Life size. <laughs> Life size. <laughs> People look like my 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 cap is blacked out. It's actually just, it's just a thousand Philistine foreskins. foreskins. <laughs> no, it's. I don't know, man. Oh, and 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 I thought about this too, and I think I was at um some church that I was forced to go to. And to me, the inerrancy of scripture, take it or leave it. You can love it. You can believe it. That's fine. Like you said, yes, that's cool. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. That's fine. And, I, but I think there's, there tends to be this uh, dramatization of the events in a story. Um, the sky went dark and the earth this the, specifically about the crucifixion. Oh, yeah. And there was an earthquake and I'm seeing the passion of the Christ in my head. I'm like, man, that's really fucking dramatic, dude. Like, yeah, it could have been a storm. Sure. That's cool. Uh, but there's always like this tinge of like soap opera dramatization on stuff. Mm. And like, you're having to make things more magical and odd. But dude, everything already is. Like, ah, that's right. That's the tilt of everything. Everything already is magical and weird yeah. and subtle and different and nuanced. But when I come into this place, we iron it all out and then we get to re-add the, the magic we want at the end. Yeah, that's true. So I'm like, at this oh. Desert Father, Desert Mother, Cosmic Christ stuff, I'm like, dude, th- this was all along special. And for 30 some odd years, I didn't see it. Mm. 
And so it's, it's kind of that, that realization that, man, I want everyone to see it as special, but you can't, you can't pull someone by their hair, kicking yeah. and screaming like, uh, Michael Scott did to Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> Checked uh, into rehab. <laughs> side note, that whole if you guys are office fans, uh Michael s- drives Meredith to the rehab center. All the, and, and this is from the Office Ladies podcast. Great podcast by mm-hmm. Angela and um Jenna. Yeah. But I realized they missed. That scene, they were only told to drive up to the rehab center. They were told to improv her getting inside. <laughs> so the running around, her throwing the trash can, him dragging her in, right. that's all She's Meredith like, wait, and Michael. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's so, amazing. That's so rewatching that scene after like, like that's all improv. I need to check that out. Dude, okay. so Hell good. Yeah. But yeah, that's just a complete <laughs> side note. But you can't, you can't yeah. kick, you can't drag people there. And Richard Rohr also said something. Um, be the person that would have helped you get there or something along those lines. Sure. Like, don't be the person, don't be the other side of the pendulum where I was reformed and I was like super stoic on these things, yeah. but now I'm not reformed and I'm super stoic about me not being reformed. Like a cage stage help. progressive. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help. So be the person that offers that grace. So if yeah. someone does approach you with an earnest question, yeah. you can be like, yeah. You said something that I really, I couldn't, I, I can't let go, so I want to come back around to it. You're, it. you're talking about the so much of the, per, you, you can shit on these weird moments of your past mm-hmm. to a degree, but without them, you wouldn't be where you are right now. Yeah. And just to keep on bringing it back to Roar, he said he talks about including and transcending. Mm. You include yeah. and you transcend. transcend yeah. And you include and you transcend. And it's this constant process of saying yes and. It's yes. like this big improv yeah. sketch where you take what has happened, you embrace it, and then you just take a step forward. Um, I have a Rob Bell uh clip that i think if, oh, we yeah. could, if we could play it this was something that i really loved um this thing man i i want to i don't know if, if the concept will come into a song i love the idea um but this is just a segment of his talk uh everything is spiritual this is the second talk it's outstanding check it out fundamentalism often has as its animating energy or its animating set of beliefs that there is a perfect pristine time and place somewhere back there. And if we could just get back there and do it like they used to do it in that perfect pristine place, if we could just take this town, city, country, government, church back at its core. And the reason why sometimes you didn't have the right words for it and you were trying to be a real smart person but you got all tongue-tied and peanut butter mouth, but you were like you just knew that the argument was rubbish even though you didn't quite know how to intellectually argue it is because at some level energetically you were disturbed because the fundamental energy was the future is back there somewhere, but that's the wrong direction. The universe only knows how to go one direction, which has been going for 13.8 billion years and that is forward. I think about that a lot. Mm-hmm. I think about this ever-expanding movement of all of this mm-hmm. and us. I was a reformed guy, and if I'm technical about it, I'm still a reformed guy mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we're ever-reforming. Yeah, And we're ever-changing, we're ever-growing, and we're going forward. And I think what felt so weird, Rob Bell put it so well, when he said it, it was just one of those like tuning fork, like it was pitchfork yeah. moments. Not a pitchfork. A pitchfork <laughs> is a weapon in Beauty and the Beast that you use. Kill the beast. 
<laughs> a tuning fork. <laughs> a tuning fork. It was a tuning fork moment. And because that's the weird thing about people who are like, gays can't get married. Let's keep the gays out of the church. Mm-hmm. People who are like, uh, uh, you know, like the Charlottesville folks who are like, you will not replace us. And it turned into Jews will not replace us. This, this crazy Nazis, like racism and homophobia and all these things. It's based in this idea, just like you said, that like the best days are behind us. Mm. We got to get back there. Um, you know, and so when you listen to someone like Rob Bell talking about you take what you take where you've been, you include it into your crock pot of who you are, and then you transcend forward. There's this, um, uh, so Science Mike used to be part of, what was it, The Liturgist? Yeah. He had his own podcast. He had Kevin and Michael Garcia, but I wrote down their quote line for line because it was amazing. Um, this is talking about how just conservatives in general have a knee-jerk reaction to everything. They over-police everyone about their behavior because they are over-critical of themselves. You are doing the performance, but you aren't being transformative. You think it's about right action when it's about just being. Hmm. It's like everything you do and say has to have an end goal. It's like yes. it's like you have to win or you have to beat somebody or you have to convince somebody or you have to save somebody and it doesn't have anything to do with just existing. Is now, that is that what yeah. they're talking about? And it's just I, I I don't know. To me, I mean I think I think it goes this is dumb to say, but I feel the the wave I'm riding makes sense, but I mean anything you're in at that moment makes sense to you because if it didn't you wouldn't be in it. That's right. But this seems to answer a lot more questions and also allow me to have a lot more questions, which I love. Um, but I definitely see this. And this is one of the things, like I mentioned at the beginning, where my deconstruction started because I was just physically burnt out and spiritually didn't know it. Just not, not oh, I can't use the word fed. That's so Baptist. Um, I just wasn't feeling it, man. Yeah. I wasn't vibing. That's what the kids say. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm realizing a lot of it, it was just extreme dissatisfaction with that what i became who i was in the evangelical circle i had to over police everyone because i was hypercritical of myself i hated how i looked i could never agree with my hair looking good at some point and i always wanted to be better um and that's just a product dude i thought about this too there was a sermon illustration given when i was in youth group that at one point when we get to heaven god would plug it was, he didn't mean this actual happening, but this is what ha- will happen. Our brain and our thoughts, every moment we would displayed for everyone to see. Hey, I'm like, Oh boy. At like 14, like I've done some there's weird a, stuff. There's gonna be a lot of boobs on those screens like, between now and between 14 and now. Oof. Oh man. That's a, <laughs> there's going to be a recurring motif. So I'm like, what's the cardinal sin that'll send me straight to hell? Cause I do not want to go to heaven. <laughs> I'm not even worried about the bad stuff. I just don't want people to see how many hot dogs I would eat at night. Yeah. <laughs> God's Yo. like, okay. You can see I, a lot I, of weeping into Big Macs yeah, at I, 2 o'clock oh, in the yes. morning. I know you accepted my son as your savior. That was good. And you went on a lot of mission trips. Um, that was good too. Um, but no one, <laughs> no child of mine, should be in a parking lot at age 22 at 4 a.m., listening to alien AM talk radio <laughs> and trying to see how much sweet and sour sauce he can put on a Big Mac without it spilling onto his pants. <laughs> no one should do that. 
You're no longer my child. Straight to hell. <laughs> straight to with hell. With the pitchfork. At that, at the, with the pitchfork. At that point, I mean, I'm like, can I take the video with me, though? I don't. <laughs> yeah. Do you hold on to that? Or that can I bring scarred it? me for so long. And when I thought about it later, uh, earlier this week, I laughed. <laughs> I'm like, that, that is insane for you to tell a teenage boy yeah. who all he's thinking about yeah. is his penis. Right. And the trouble it's going to get him into. Right. P. Holmes talks about... <laughs> P. Holmes talked about for him when he, when you're when you're a prepubescent boy, this raging hormonal monster. Oh, oh yeah. He said for him, masturbation was like just trying to douse out a fire. <laughs> it's like the fire's burning, baby. We just gotta put it out, yes. man. And that's all oh, it is. Oh god. But you know we're you know we're taught that we're nasty, that we're gross, you know. Yeah. And it's like save your dis- your body is gross and sex is gross, so just save them both for your wife. To me, like. Well, and then Emily was talking about it in the podcast, the the whole thing of that guy commenting on her picture and like yeah. him being like the sexual police, like cover your body up. Yeah. To me, like that's where a lot of unconscious hurt or like, I wouldn't say abuse, but like mental um, stigma. Yeah. Maybe? Or f- like molding mm. was done. Yeah. And, even more so to the women who went through the girls who went through that. Like I'm a guy and we were, we were and are given so many privileges. Yeah. Responsible. Like we said before, this responsibilities on the woman to cover up or blah, 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 because right. it's led from a male perspective. Right. Um, and I can only imagine and, uh, the effect that had on girls who were in the middle of that, when they were told they were not only responsible for their own sexuality and their own virginity and how that is the most important thing. Right. You're also responsible for every other boy in there. Right, right. Who doesn't know the difference between anything. I saw this tweet that it said, uh, everyone do me a favor, go to Amazon and search Proverbs 31. Mm -hmm. And you will see the commoditization of basically like how the Proverbs 31 woman has become a checklist that can be marketed by Christian. Can you explain capitalists. the Proverbs 31 woman? So the to people, ah, uh, Oh my God. Hold on, let me see if I can, hold on. You I'm going to pull it up. I know I'm going to pull it up. So the Proverbs 31 woman. Yes. Are we ready? Go. A wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her finger. She opens her arm to the poor and extends it. Basically, <laughs> okay, here's, oh, okay, all right. She sees that her trading is profitable. Hello, come on, somebody. Her lamp does not go out at night. Lamp's always on, lamp's always on. Mm, in her hand, she holds, I said that already. When it snows... <laughs> She has no fear for her household. Is there fear? No. You afraid? No. For all of them are clothed in scarlet. Not Johansson. The smooth oh, oh, scarlet. I got it, I got it. That's enough of that. That's, That's as much as I can take. <laughs> the point is... <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> We're ridiculous. It's... I... <sighs> We were brought up, and, and really the ones who got it the worst were the girls. Yeah. They were brought up saying, your body is a warm, delicious brownie, mm-hmm. and you are walking around in a pack full of hungry people, of like starving people. And if you are not careful, 
you are going to be the cause for everyone around you to go to hell. And then they get older and they go, hey, if your only real purpose is to be a wife and a mother, and in order for you to be a wife and a mother, you have to attract a husband. And the only way you can get a husband is to read this checklist and you have to fulfill it. Yeah. And it's, it's an impossible, it's an impossible expectation. I don't know how we got kind of over to here, but I guess, I mean, it's part of the things that we had to deconstruct. Yeah. It, it, it's just, and it's the slow, subtle realization. Um, when Kevin was on science Mike's podcast, the way they were talking was just, I found myself being jealous of them. Cause I'm like, I want to be where they are. Hmm. Not like physically, like in Atlanta. Sure. But their way of thinking. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I have to work on myself is just allow myself time. Because I know who I am. I will run to the finish just to say, it's the finish. Let's go to the next finish line. When, right. man. How do I win? What yes. are the points? Yes. And that's what it is. Yeah. It's just, okay, that's fine. That's what I used to do. But let's enjoy the journey. So I think I'm also like, okay, just give myself time, man. This is this is fun. This talking. And I like the, what, you, what you said, excavating. Yeah. I like that word better than deconstruction because now it's come around so far. The circle is now like looped on itself where now deconstruction is a term people use to make fun of what we are doing, which is fine. I I shit on everything. Yeah. But now I'm like, okay, man, this is like when I was, when I was part of your group, you wouldn't let me talk. And now that I'm talking and making fun of me talking, (laughs) like there is no getting away from this. No getting away from it. Yeah. I feel like I'm in middle school again. And I have like eczema all over my body again. And like, dude, come on. I just. It's like a joke that no matter what you say, it's like Satan yeah. is the father of lies. Everything he says is the opposite. Yes. All right. I guess you another can't. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, another office reference. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, what I love about that excavation term mm-hmm. is because it's twofold. When you think about like an archaeological dig, the first half of it is like moving tons of shit mm-hmm. and getting it out of there. Yeah. This is just rubble, move it. And then as you get closer and closer to the good stuff, you approach it more delicately, mm-hmm. right? Now you have you brushes brush. yeah, and yeah, you're yeah, brushing yeah. things away and you're, and you're just whispering the dirt away so as not to break the good stuff that's, that's there. That's the stuff you want to keep and that's the stuff that's valuable and that's the stuff, honestly, that's been there for ages. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, can we, I want to talk a little bit about this. Um, Alyssa mentioned this thing that... Your wife... Alyssa, my wife, she mentioned this, and I didn't realize I did it. I took for granted. I talked about on the Christmas episode. Mm -hmm. I kind of just threw out there that I didn't think I believed in the virgin birth. Yeah. And I wanted to add some context to it, and I think now's like a good time to kind of talk about where we've been. No one's listening. No one's listening. Thirty minutes in the podcast. (laughs) Isn't that been that long? (laughs) Yeah, we're good. Yeah, no one gives a shit. No, everyone's gone. Everyone's gone. This is me and you, buddy. Uh, I think where I'm at now these days and where I'm continuing to be is that my understanding of whether or not you believe the virgin birth was a thing, Mm -hmm. whether or not you think heaven or hell is a place, whether or not you believe that Jesus actually resurrected, whether or not you believe Jesus actually lived, Mm -hmm. all of these things to me now, they're all in. Mm. And there's room at the table for everyone. Yeah. And... I think we can come to the end of it all at the end of our life when, you know, we, Richard Rohr says we come from God, we die, we return to God. Pete Holmes says, what if heaven is just like paint smeared across a canvas mm. where it's like, it's just, everything is one at the end of it all. 
I don't think it really matters whether you felt you whether you believed in the correct mechanics of salvation yeah or your understanding of just how the virgin birth uh happened as a process is accurate all of those things i believe are just going to kind of bleed into one big mosaic and we're just going to see the big picture at the end of it and we're not going to worry so much about all that little stuff and i know that five years ago me would have been like well enjoy that mosaic in hell because that's where you're going to be seeing it from afar and the mosaic's going to be Jesus and you're going to be bowing. Yeah. But that's kind of where I'm at, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think I want to give myself room these days to change. Mm -hmm. Um, Repentance is a changing of the mind. And I think when it talks about like, someone said something like the entire life of a Christian is repentance. I took that as like, beating myself into guilty submission. But instead, I'm going to try and think of it as a repentance is a change of heart and a change of mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid of repentance anymore. And I don't feel like I'm not afraid of that piece. Mm-hmm. And I could look back at myself five years from now. Agent, what a fucking idiot you mm-hmm. were. You had it all figured out, didn't and that's you? Completely you fine. And that's fine. Yes. It's all fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I just, to your point about the details of stuff, it's, to me, it's logistically and practically speaking, I don't have time. Yeah, I don't have. I don't have the bandwidth. No, I don't. I don't. I don't have the mental bandwidth. Yeah. To deal with the nuances of everything, that. Oh man, there was this other tweet that was just, uh, seminary pastors from seminary say one thing, tweet one thing, that uh, you don't hear anyone talk about, and then one person just went on this whole tirade of how our current picture of hell was created and Dante's Inferno. Yeah. Like in a tweet, the fear that drove my Christianity for so long was gone. Can you find that and like tweet it or yeah, yeah, I'll I'll definitely send it. It was wow. Cause so much of what I did was a reaction to the consequence of not doing it. Yeah. Um, but now I don't have the time for that. (laughs) I, I have kids, man. I have kids, and there is, like I said before, there's so much out there that is more beautiful and older than the churches I went to. Right. And and an age not being the end-all, be-all, but, a, but, man, if that whiskey is aged 60 years as opposed to five, you're sipping the 60. It's better. There's oh, something yeah. to the age. There's something yeah. to the longevity. Something, these thoughts and books and meditations and ways of thinking that have made their way from desert fathers and mothers hundreds of years separated. Yes, the Bible did as well, but it was also misconstrued by a bunch of Roman people and everyone. (laughs) But there's something to a beautiful, old brick building that you can tell has stories behind it Hmm. as opposed to a brand new sky rise. Yes. And so I want to take time like walking around the brick building and just being there and experiencing the brick building and listening to its stories and seeing where those stories lead. And it may lead me to this other forest where I found some other cool stuff, but I don't have time 
to meet with your HOA and figure out how I can get to that, that sky rise. I can't, I did it for a long time and, and it, and it hurt me in, in ways that I'm still realizing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I just don't have the time. There's, there's, there's a, there's a beauty to backsliding and it's just, I, I feel like it's just, um, you ever been on a blob like in a lake? I'm so sorry. A blob here in been one. I know what a blob is structurally yeah. as a concept. What hey, are you talking about? So it's a huge inflatable, massive, big thing. Okay. Right. So one person climbs up to the top. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. You got it. A blob. Okay, I, I get it. We were just like, what do you think I said? I don't know. We were just like, have you ever been on a fluffin? Yeah. That's what you might as well have just said I, that. I, I, yeah. I, I take for <laughs> granted people understand where my mind's going. And I just go there. But I feel like I'm on the end of the blob. Some three or four people jump and launch me off and I'm up in the air and I don't know where I'm going, but I know this is a lot of fun and it, and it may hurt when I land in the water. My shorts may come completely off, Mm. but I'm I'm up in the air and I'm, I'm enjoying the view and this experience is fun. Um, and, 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 and like my, my, my knee jerk reaction to that is like, I don't want people to think that I excavated or deconstructed because I wanted to, have this cool experience or I did it as an affront to things. I didn't have any other way to go. Like, and it wasn't comfortable at the beginning and it was scary. And I did feel like, okay, well now I'm alone because the group I belong to, no one wants me anymore and no one wants to talk to me. And whenever they do, it's always like, Oh, how are you? Are you okay? <laughs> how like you hanging in there, buddy. Yeah. Um, sorry thing. Yeah. How's the family? <laughs> Like, why you have vocal fry <laughs> turned up to 100, dude? You never talked to me before, one. And two, you don't care about me. But, the, yeah. To your point, you talked about this sort of like you're flying through the air. Yeah. You, um, there's a quote by the Baal Shem Tov, mm-hmm. and it says, Let me fall if I must fall. Mm. The one I am becoming will catch me. Yeah. And it's this sort of like, I don't know. Yeah. And that's fine. It's fine. And it's fun. And it's fun, and and when I get there, I'll look, I'm sure it'll be fine too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> freaking vocal fry, that's incredible. Oh, that's I I feel like when you leave a church, <laughs> yeah, it's like breaking up with a girlfriend. Yeah, you know, it's like she you never leave did a church, anything for yeah, you, <laughs> and then you go back to like her old school because you have to. You're there for some other reason, and you see all of her friends there. Yeah, and you're like. Like, oh, hi guys. Oh, hey guys. Cool. And they're like, oh, hi. And you know what it is? You know who your real friends were after you uh, after you break up with the girl. Like the people who, are, if you're still friends with certain yeah. people, it means they were actually your friend, not just because of the relationship. Yeah. And the same thing is true for church. If people yeah. are still your friends after you leave the church, it's most likely because they actually were your friends because they liked you and not because you just happen to be in the same relationship. As but them. I'm going to turn it on me and ask you the same question because I was the person who people did leave the church and I left them high and dry. Of course, man. Yeah, yeah. and it's the shittiest thing. It's <laughs> so shitty. We're special. No way. But now I know how that kid Andy felt right. when he left because he went to college and his professor asked him a question and we gave him shit behind his back because he must not have been a strong Christian for a uh, college professor to ask him a question and his faith come crumbling. I'd minimize his entire experience. I've never ever reached out to him. He's moved on. Killer guitar player. I'll never ever talk to him again. Right. But because yeah. you were you were friends with the girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. That's a good analogy. Thank you. Analogy? 
analogy. Yeah, I am dying. I, I think <laughs> we have this has run its course. Oh, I yes. think we have we have unfolded this to the corners. Um, let's go ahead and uh, maybe dial in a little bit of sip smut 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 smoke ra 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 re sip smoke sip smoke re so you know we we that shit only sip the finest party lit so you think you listen to these idiots but here you keep on listening here you are so listen be the main corner to the latest book round us bitch browse over watch it show just take a look probably cartoons they call me a little fishy for my hooks now you gotta sip smoke sip smoke Josh Link, yeah. Tell me, man, what you sipping, what you smoking, what you reading? I usually have too many things, and I'll condense into one. Uh, I watched the Peanut Butter Falcon. <clears throat> oh yeah. So I'm. Um, I want to be Shia LaBeouf. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> um, yep. No, but he's in the movie, um, and it's a. I I don't want to blow it up too big and make people, um, if they even take my, what if they ever watch it. Um, I, f- I feel like it's a modern day Mark Twain movie. Cool. Very good. Um, it is, uh, about, uh, Shia LaBeouf. He is in trouble with the law of running away. Um, they got this, uh, this actor, Zach, who, um, we actually got to meet at a local wrestling thing. He was there cause the movie's about wrestling sort of, oh, cool. um, he's an actor, uh, with Down syndrome and he plays in the movie and he escapes an old person's home <laughs> because he, he, uh, his family didn't want him. And the state really had no place to put him because he's like 23 years old. So he's like a, he's like a grown kid, a grown adult. And they stick him in his old person's home. He breaks out of there. That's funny. And Shia LaBeouf and him, Zach, find each other. Cool. And it's their uh, trip to this wrestling school he wants to go to. <laughs> um, it is so good. That's cool. And it's all filmed like in in North South Carolina, it's the scenery is beautiful. Like it makes me want to find an Airbnb where they filmed it and just go there. Hell yeah. A lot of big trees, air plants, um, on the ocean in the, in like the rivers and canals. Super cool movie. Um, super teary eyed. Great, great movie. Funny. Um, heartwarming. Great stuff. Um, yeah, I watched that one, but I do want to see his new one. Honey boy. I heard, which he wrote. It's about his life. Yeah. And he plays, he plays, he his, plays own his own dad. Oh, that's it looks so nuts. Crazy. Yeah, so it's been interesting to watch his... I saw the trailer and it was trippy. Yes. Even the kid that plays him has him down pat. Yes, yes. It's crazy. But it's been really uh, interesting to watch interviews of him mm. on late night shows and stuff. And uh, he had some crazy running with the law and was, did like court order to rehab and has pretty much come around. He's like best friends with the cop that arrested him, like hangs out with him and stuff. So it's been really interesting to watch his story arc because he was at crazy dude in the art places with a bag on his head and everything like crying real tears yeah dude he's been around he's been on the block <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah peanut the peanut butter falcon you can get it on amazon cool. uh, rent it it's it's so so good hell yeah i really really enjoyed it so that's my you sent me a, a message about you found like a method of of coffee like a, did you ever try it out did yeah you, you did it so aeropress is a it's exactly what it sounds you're pressing air through a thing it's much more physical way of making coffee. You still have to grind up your beans. It's like a little cylinder. It's 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 more portable, single serve stuff. Um, but I felt guilty because, I mean, Adrian and I were like super into coffee, and there's a couple good coffee spots around here, so we always have different beans. And I'm like, man, I have this Aeropress, and I had actually a good uh, Aeropress, a contemporary coffee in West Palm, hmm. in Elizabeth Avenue Station, and the guy made 
the pour over with AeroPress. I'm like, dude, I have mine. I feel guilty. I'm being irresponsible oh, with what God's yeah. giving me. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to find a recipe. So I found a, um, a 2017 World Championship AeroPress girl from nice. some place in Europe. And I use her recipe. It's pretty fire. Cool. Um, that's been fun to use that again. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't done an AeroPress. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. But yeah, I mean, that's I've, I've been doing that every once in a while. But Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, well, doing? presently, I am drinking a Corona Light. Um, guys, I'm like, we're like working really hard to pay off our credit card bills right now. And as such, we're trying to cut as many corners as yeah. we can and stick to budget. Yeah. And with two kids, most of your money goes towards feeding mm. these little terrors. And they keep growing and up. And they're they keep sweet angels. More. And Wilder, he just won't stop eating. Like he's yeah. constantly eating. And I love him to death. I'm glad he's eating. But it's like, I don't have any beer money anymore yeah. and so i had this beer i didn't need to have a beer before the podcast because it chills me out a little too much maybe but man this was great <laughs> but i mean that, so that's good. that's what happens when what well, you're being responsible which is yeah, good thank you so the things you do have you do get to enjoy it's like yes it's like it's like eating a burger fine eating a burger when you're like super hungry oh yeah yeah it's outstanding I think, like they say hunger is the best condiment that's right like financial responsibility the might be the best, the better condiment, the better condiment. <laughs> like, man, I haven't had ice cream in like three months because it cost a lot. Can I tell a story? I, uh, yes. my manager just moved into a new house and she got in the mail, in the mail, when you move into a new house, a bunch of stores send you coupons oh, yeah. just to kind of get you in the yeah. local space. Yeah. And so she's like, hey, I got this coupon to like a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, but like yes. I'm not eating bread because I'm on keto in 2020. Do you want this coupon? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so at nine o'clock at night, I drove yes. out to the to a a Chick Fil A that's half an hour away from me because it's her only her store. Oh my god! <laughs> I got one free plain ass chicken sandwich. How good was it though? And then I ordered a large fry. We brought it back. Alyssa and I cut it in half. Yes. We are so <laughs> yes, house dude. Poor. It was probably the best sandwich. Oh, so good. I've ever had in my entire life. It's so good. It was. Incredible. But so to your point, financial responsibility is it's, the better condiment. It's the best. Um, what's funny you say that is because we do, there are certain things that I, I just can't negotiate mm -hmm. on. And the thing that I do splurge on is coffee. Mm, yeah. And I splurge on coffee like pretty hard. Mm -hmm. uh, I get like a, a, a fresh bag of coffee every week. I have a subscription with, this is not sponsored, everybody. It's not sponsored. I have it a subscription. I wish we have a. I have a subscription service with a company called Dayglow, which yes, is based out of California. And the way it works is like you pay them money every month, and then they curate a different bag of coffee mm -hmm. every time. You have like a three bags a month or something, or two bags a month. Yeah, I have like one bag. We a drink month. way too much coffee. We drink house. so much coffee. But they sent this one bag. It's a. I want to say a Costa Rica from Little Wolf. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a Kenya. Maybe it's a Kenya from Little Wolf. Oh my gosh, it was so good. It's so good. My brother-in-law got me a bag of coffee, and it's, like, free, and it's huge. Yeah. But it's, like, kind of dark, a little roasty. Yeah. But I'm like, this just saved us $40. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm drinking it, baby, yeah, yeah. every day. But when, that, when, like, the fresh stuff came in, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I keep saying this, and maybe I've already said it in the podcast, but I feel like, oh, whatever. I feel like my dad had more days to wake up and drink coffee without me bothering him as a kid. I want those days so bad. Yeah, me both. I want days where my kid just sleep in, 
yep. stupid hours. Right. And I can just on like a Saturday, oh, and you're like, "Where is he? When is he going to wake up?" Yeah, I, I can't wait for that. But that'll anyway. also come with the conversation about sex, and <laughs> this is how you actually wear deodorant. No, I'm gonna for sure when he sleeps in, I'm gonna definitely make it up to him all the sleepless nights. I'm gonna come in and like scream Simmel- at him, <laughs> poop on him, whatever. <laughs> you did squatting this. over your bed, <laughs> over your teenage son, dude. It's gonna scar the shit out of him. Scar the shit out of me, <laughs> and onto him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, oh, well, this has good. been a great episode. That was really good. Do you want to talk about a little social meds? How people can connect with us if yeah, it's a first time listening. We are Dirty Rotten Church Kids on Instagram. Um, we are Dirty Rotten CK uh, on Twitter. Um, we are Dirty Rotten CK at gmail.com. Um, yeah, just I don't want to keep saying it because it sounds. I don't know, we've said it once before, but it's really encouraging to see the amount of interaction we have with people online. And man, people are into it. And it's some good conversations happening on Instagram. You guys uh, DMing us about these episodes, giving us suggestions and wanting to be on episodes. It's like, it, once again, I feel like I'm rediscovering another group of people. I'm like, okay, the circle is much wider. Not yeah. only with people who lived hundreds of years ago, <laughs> but people like who are currently living um, and who actually like like these conversations so yeah you can hit us up on those um social meds and we will be there to send you memes mostly (laughs) um and just uh yeah we have some really cool podcasts coming up the rest of this year we have some things already lined up and some things we are throwing out to the universe it's gonna be great kevin michael garcia i will please talk to us we love you to me please talk to us we love you we need you honey talk to me please talk to us the way they talked about the red lip that they wear uh, on, <laughs> I just want to be in their presence. I just need more of that sort of energy in my yeah, life. Yeah. So yeah, 2020 is looking uh, to be good. Thank you guys so much for the support. And I think this is where you do your thing, right? It's been great, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you in a couple weeks. And remember, it's, it's all going to be okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. This week's episode was sponsored by Pogs and Slammers and our intro music was written by Rude Excuse Me. We can't say thank you enough to everyone for listening, sharing and rating. The support we are receiving is overwhelming. Stay tuned for our next one. It's gonna be a riot. Toby has been cruising for a bruisin' for 12 years, and I am now his cruise director, and my name is Captain Bruisin'.